This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello, welcome back to Eco Chic. My name is Laura Diaz. It's really good to have you here for this chatty episode, you and me. I want to talk about something that's been on my mind lately. We're talking today about clean beauty And more specifically, what's been on my mind in regards to clean beauty lately is my personal distancing, perhaps, from the movement or how my relationship with clean beauty has changed over time because I am checking myself on a pretty regular basis, I would say, on what my relationship is with the clean beauty movement or even with the term clean beauty. So I want to step back and explain myself a little bit. Clean beauty is something that I really attached myself to when I got interested in sustainability. And I think that's pretty typical for a lot of young women, especially. Beauty was something that was part of my routine, of course. Those are products that I'm purchasing. That's where I want to be conscious about where I'm spending and supporting eco-friendly brands. And especially seven or eight years ago, the term clean beauty was not used in the same way, I think, than it's being used today. So there were far less brands labeling themselves as clean beauty. We didn't have big programs like the Sephora clean beauty icons that you see on some products when you walk into the stores. Clean beauty was just different. It was a little bit of a smaller movement and it was a little bit more focused, I think, on truly eco-friendly or naturally derived products. I think this is also interesting because clean beauty made an effort as a movement, I think, to really separate themselves from simply being vegan beauty or being cruelty-free beauty, which are brands, which are certifications that you can find and are still very important to me as a consumer today. And I'll also say that I am someone who typically likes to purchase brands that identify themselves as clean beauty brands. I think there are two things that really have contributed to my disheartening, I suppose, with the movement. I don't know if that's exactly the word, but like my personal distancing, I suppose, with the term clean beauty, it's something that I don't feel the need to talk about or harp on nearly as much as I did in the early days of the podcast, of course, in the early days of my own sustainability journey, because I think the movement has just fundamentally changed over time, which is normal for any space in consumer marketplaces, right? I think one of the reasons that I've really started to think more deeply or question clean beauty a little bit further starts off with greenwashing. I think there are a lot of spaces in sustainability that are very easily greenwashed, but I think for the masses, for the majority of the consumer marketplace folks who may not be thinking about sustainability with every single purchase in mind, clean beauty is something that brands have attached themselves to to make us as consumers feel safer with their brands. 
Again, it has never been easier to walk into a beauty store, a Sephora, an Ulta, wherever it is that you're shopping for items or shopping on online marketplaces, and notice brands that are marking themselves as clean beauty. And I think the reason for this is, yes, that clean beauty label makes folks feel safer with their products or that they're doing something good for themselves, but there's also been a lot of kind of fear-mongering in the beauty community. Very often, terms like clean beauty are paired with terms like non-toxic. I think this is really dangerous because it implies that traditional products are toxic. And while there is definitely lax regulation in the US, especially compared to the EU, with what is allowed in our consumer products, beauty products, food products, whatever it may be, we have to understand that major brands, the Revlons and the L'Oreal's of the world, these drugstore brands that are not yet labeling themselves as clean beauty or non-toxic, are not out to get us necessarily. These are not toxic brands inherently just because they are not labeling themselves as non-toxic. I think the natural product space in general has really attached themselves to this term non-toxic. So you can see that, for example, in cleaning products. That's not to say that there aren't cleaning products that are perhaps more negatively impacting your health over time when you're really using them in large quantities. But the products space in general has really attached themselves to non-toxic because there is this theme that natural products are good for you. Now, similar with the whole greenwashing movement, this term non-toxic is not regulated. There are no ways to back up this claim of a product to be non-toxic. So in the same way that the word clean in beauty does not necessarily mean anything because there's no regulations around it, there's no standards to what qualifies as clean, there's no standards to what qualifies as non-toxic. There's no standards to what qualifies as sustainable beauty even, which I think is also really challenging. Any brand could label themselves as sustainable and it's up to them to define what sustainability is. These are all very buzzy words and they're all associated with the clean beauty movement in some capacity. So we as consumers feel like we're doing the right thing or supporting the right brands, quote unquote, whatever that means, because the packaging is nice, because there's a little leaf icon on it, maybe because there's really minimalist labeling or marketing around the product. Maybe they market it with photos of the outdoors or really natural looking makeup. And we as a society, I think, have also moved away from really heavy glam. I think there's still great spaces for that. But day to day, it seems like there's never been more focus on skincare also. Also, again, I'm speaking from my perspective as a young woman in this space and what I am susceptible to and what kind of things are being marketed towards me. But we are really putting a heavy focus on wellness as a society, on self-care in the last few years. And very often those themes of sustainability, of clean, of non-toxic are associated with those wellness movements as well. So it's a challenging space to really commit yourself to the clean beauty movement right now when there is more noise than ever in figuring out what your true values are when you're buying clean beauty. And I don't know, I feel like clean is something that I have just kind of come to expect from brands. Like I'm almost surprised when a brand does not label themselves as clean in some way. And that's also kind of the problem, right? Like everyone is labeling themselves as clean. So clean means a lot less than it did even 10 years ago. I think there are some brands that do clean, quote unquote, really well. 
brands that have been around for a long time, brands like, for example, Pacifica, they've always been cruelty-free, but they have not put, in my knowledge, that non-toxic label on their products. So they're vegan-derived products, and I feel like that is a good case for the clean beauty space. Quick break to tell you about Fume. Making and breaking habits is hard. And not everything in a bad habit is totally wrong. So instead of a drastic, uncomfortable change, why not just remove the bad from your habit? Fume is an innovative, award-nominated device that does just that. Instead of electronics, Fume is completely natural, and instead of vapor, Fume uses flavored air. And instead of weird, harmful chemicals, Fume uses all-natural, delicious flavors. It's a habit you're free to enjoy and makes replacing your bad habit easy. Your Fume comes with adjustable airflow dial and is designed with movable parts and magnets for fidgeting, giving fingers lots to do, which is helpful for de-stressing and anxiety while you're breaking that habit. The fume is made with beautiful real wood and the shape is slick, it's well weighted, it's perfectly balanced, it's fun to fidget with, you feel cool using it. It'll be more flavorful than you thought and just feels fresh. Stopping is something we all put off because it's hard, but switching to fume is easy, enjoyable, and even fun. Fume has served over 100,000 customers and has thousands of success stories, and there's no reason that can't be you. Join Fume in accelerating humanity's breakup from destructive habits by picking up the journey pack today. Head to tryfume.com and use code ECOCHIC to save 10% off when you get the journey pack today. That's tryfume.com and use code ECOCHIC to save an additional 10% off your order today. Now, the other challenging bucket of thought, I suppose, when it comes to the clean beauty movement and how my own relationship has shifted over time with clean beauty kind of stems from that non-toxic labeling that I think is in itself really problematic. But this concept of preservatives or chemical additives into quote-unquote natural products has also started to distance some people from clean beauty as a whole. Very often we will see on clean beauty products labels like no filler or no preservatives or things that we're almost associating usually with like organic food. These labels we in our mind believe to mean healthy. Now when it comes to beauty products, when I'm specifically thinking about makeup without preservatives, that's actually really problematic and we've seen some brands have to combat this over time as folks have started to understand what it means to not have preservatives in makeup. So for example, the brand Kosas has this really, really popular concealer that earlier this year, people online were claiming that they found mold in their concealers. And the ultimate bottom line as to why this could happen is because this concealer did not have preservatives in it. I'm going to link some articles in the show notes if you want to go through this kind of scandal a little bit deeper. But this was fascinating for me from like a consumer standpoint as to why people choose or do not choose clean beauty. But going back, makeup very often needs to have preservatives in it. And I'm not a chemist. I am not an expert in creating makeup by any means. And I recognize that. But when we are talking about products that are, for example, liquid products that are put on our faces, we want to make sure that these are as shelf stable as possible. We want to make sure that these products are in as great a state as they can be for their lifetime. And that's definitely oversimplifying it. But the bottom line is that makeup very often needs to have preservatives. And I think the reason that we've attached ourselves to this no preservative label again, is stemming back to that theme of non-toxic. We want our products to be as natural as possible. This episode is brought to you by Saks.com. At Saks.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. 
Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. And I think the other school of thought that stems from this, also problematic, is that chemicals are bad. And that's not necessarily true. Chemicals are not inherently bad. There is nothing inherently bad about having chemicals, about having man-made substances put into our makeup products and our skincare products. Now, that's not to say that there are some chemicals that we shouldn't be putting on our faces, but for the most part, if we're talking about shelf-stable products, if we're talking about big brands that have serious R&D budgets, no one is out to get you by putting preservatives in your makeup products and in your skincare products. I think a brand that does this really well is Alpen Beauty. Alpen makes skincare products that are naturally derived, so they have the basis in plants, but they are chemically crafted, they say. So these naturally derived ingredients are formulated further in labs so that the chemical compositions are optimal for whatever that product is trying to achieve. And I feel like that's a great way to explain it to consumers that you can have a basis in natural ingredients, but again, there's nothing wrong with involving chemistry, with involving some sort of man-made, man-influenced, woman-influenced, I suppose, aspect to your skincare routine to make sure that it is as effective as possible. So those are my two like major perspectives, I think, on the clean beauty movement and how it's shifted over time, how it's become almost a little too democratized over time. We have the issue of greenwashing when it comes to our clean beauty products. We put all these labels on things that aren't standardized, that aren't regulated, but we believe to mean healthy. And then on the other side, we also have this fear of traditional products or of products that involve some sort of non-natural ingredients or formulation. And all this to say, I really do believe that people are trying to make the best choices for themselves when it comes to their beauty products especially, but I think across the consumer marketplace, people are really just trying to choose the best items or the brands that they most believe in, or they're aligning themselves with these terms of non-toxic or of sustainable because those are values that the consumers have. So it makes sense that this marketing works. But I think the bigger challenge here is that we as consumers have started to accept all these things as norm without the industry backing us up on the other side. Again, without the standards, without the regulation of terms like sustainable, like clean, like non-toxic. I think my own relationship with clean beauty has shifted understanding these two major ideas in the last couple of years. And I think about it a lot. Again, every time I'm in a Sephora, I'm surprised by how many items are labeled clean. And I also think that over time, maybe as I've gotten older, I work from home, so I don't wear a lot of makeup anyway on the day-to-day, but I've really shifted to focusing on my skincare as the beauty industry has influenced me to do in the last few years. I'm really concerned with spending money on 
products that have proven efficacies. So I'd rather spend my money on a really nice sunscreen rather than a couple of different concealers for different seasons. I've adopted a more minimalist mindset when it comes to my beauty products, again, because I'm not wearing makeup every single day. I don't feel like I need a ton of stuff. I don't feel pressured to buy a ton of items when I'm walking into these beauty stores, even if it's just to browse. But then on the flip side, I feel a lot more comfortable spending money on my skincare because that is a self-care moment for myself. There's something really ritualistic for me about doing my skincare in the morning and in the evening and just taking care of myself. And I feel like that kind of leans into the movements around supplements or I've shared before I really like to cook for myself that's another kind of self-care wellness moment for me at home being able to be in touch with the ingredients and my food and I'll also make the disclaimer here that like I'm not that great at makeup I was not someone who learned how to do like a full glam face I I have a lot of respect for people who can do their makeup really well and who care about these brands and who really know the ins and outs of beauty but I think for me personally, I've been able to shift away from wanting to be someone who's like really great at putting on makeup because I've just started focusing on other areas of my life. And that's not to say that it's frivolous or that it's vain, but because it never was such a huge part of my life, it was easier for me to question why I was susceptible to these labels of clean beauty, of sustainable beauty, again, of non-toxic beauty, whatever it means. I started to question like, why do I care about these things from that more conscious consumer mindset, right? Like I know that I don't need to buy more products because I'm not using the products that I currently have all that often. This is like totally separate from, of course, if your products are expired, you need to replace them. But if I'm not someone who needs to buy multiple shades of something, or if I'm not using the skincare or the beauty products that I already have, do I truly need to be buying more just because I feel this pressure of it being sustainable, of clean, or whatever. So just taking that conscious consumerism another step further, not just questioning the labels that I care about, but really asking myself, like, do I need to buy this in the first place? Am I being victim to these marketing practices of the clean beauty industry? I can't tell if I'm talking in circles or if I'm making good points because I feel like these are all very interconnected ideas of where we as consumers stand in relation to the clean beauty marketplace. And I also feel like on the flip side, I have some sympathy for the clean beauty movement. Like I want clean to be the norm, but I also recognize that there are a lot of brands doing great work that don't necessarily label themselves that way because that's not their consumer. Or maybe on the flip side, there are brands that are labeling themselves as sustainable or clean beauty. And if I was to really look into it, I wouldn't necessarily back up those claims myself. I don't know. It's just, it's really weird because me as a consumer, I know what I care about and I know what I love, but I'm also at a point in my life where I want to distance myself from too many greenwashing terms. Again, there are brands that I really love and really respect. And there's also this kind of like ickiness around sustainable beauty for me right now, which could absolutely change over time. I don't want to say like, this is how I'm always going to feel. I would love to be someone who learned how to do her makeup really well again, or continued to dive deeper into learning about skincare. But there's parts of the clean beauty industry that I want to distance myself from because I do not want to be the victim of the clean beauty marketing scheme. I'm really curious to know your thoughts. I really want to continue this conversation on social media because it feels 
like it probably isn't just me. I know I'm not the only one thinking about these things. So I want to know your thoughts on the clean beauty industry. I want to know how you have shifted your relationship with clean beauty over time or maybe you're new to the movement and you find that you really care about clean beauty labels for whatever reason. I want to know how you are interacting with this very large industry. I'll list all of my socials in the show notes as per usual, and I look forward to hearing your thoughts. If you enjoyed this episode, let me know. I know it's a different style than my usual, but we will still have links in the show notes so that you can go over some of those instances or brands that I mentioned earlier in the episode. Double check that you're subscribed to the podcast wherever you're listening right now, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and you can leave a rating and review. And I look forward to hearing your thoughts again on today's topic. This feels like my existential crisis as a sustainability girl right now. So with that, I hope you have a really great rest of your day and I look forward to hanging out with you next week. Bye. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.